Hello, and welcome to Life on Maine, a daily podcast of Life on Maine in Charlestown, New Hampshire, where we discuss living life on the main purpose as designed by God. I am Pastor Tim Golden, and on these podcasts, we focus on growing in relationship with God, maturing in the faith through His Word, stewarding our relationships with one another, as well as learning to make disciples as we share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Each day highlights one of these facets of spiritual character, growth, and stewardship, so be sure to come back each day to grow a strong and healthy walk with the Lord. Now, let's see what the Holy Spirit wants to show us today. All right, well, this morning, let us get back into the scriptures and back into the book of Psalms once again as we are proceeding right along with these Psalms of Ascent from Psalm 120 to Psalm 134. Today we are in 125 as we continue to look at these wonderful songs that were sung on the journeys to Jerusalem during the great feasts of which um, we now know one of them is Feast of the Trumpets, right? And so this, very interesting that we would be talking about this when one of these feasts would actually be taking place, amen? And so, if you'll turn with me to Psalm 125, as we continue this series on reaching a God who reaches us, today we're specifically looking at mountains that won't move. Now, I know what that's probably conjuring up in your mind, and let me tell you right now, we're not going where you think we're going right now. Because when we think of mountains that won't move, how many think of obstacles? Things that we come against, things that are not good, things that are terrible. Things that we would like to say with faith, be moved, O mountain, so that it would be moved. Those are not the mountains we are talking about this morning. We are actually talking about the mountain of you. Okay? And so if you'll turn with me there, Psalm 125, we are going to read these wonderful verses. It says, Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forever. For the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous reach out their hands to iniquity. Do good, O Lord, to those who are good and to those who are upright in their hearts. As for such as turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord shall lead them away with the workers of iniquity. Lord, as we look at this, these five short verses, would you speak to us the very things that you would have us glean today that would help us move more into your likeness, Lord, that would help us to become those immovable mountains that are not shaken, but are able to stand firm no matter what comes. And God, we'll give you honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You want to be a mountain? Makes it real clear there what needs to happen. You need to simply trust in the Lord. Just trust in Him. And we've talked about that. And that right there sums up this entire passage. If you will trust in the Lord, you, like Mount Zion, not only cannot be moved, but what? abides forever. See, that's why he specified Mount Zion and didn't name off Mount Ararat or Mount Everest, right, or any other mountain that you might be able to think of. 
he specified Mount Zion because of these two aspects. Number one, if you trust in God, you will not be moved and you will abide forever. That's a big and. I don't know about you, I want to abide forever. You know, I don't want when this life comes to an end. And, and, and hear me, we are all eternal beings. And we will all die a physical death. But beyond this life, we will continue to live whether you know Christ or not. At least for a period. But there will come a time when every man is going to stand before God that has known him and that has not known him and will either be called to be with him forever or to suffer eternal damnation. Not a good place to be. I want to be his mountain. You know, I, I want to be trusting in him so I can abide not only forever, but abide in him forever. I hear a lot of people say that, and you've probably heard the same thing. Well, I don't know, I think I'd rather go to hell because that's where all my friends are going to be and we're just going to party. It's not going to be any party, folks. You're not even going to know your friends are there. You want the real party? It's taking place in heaven. There's going to be a banquet up there like you cannot believe. And I believe, honestly, there's no calories in any of the food. I'm, I'm firmly convinced calories are a result of the fall of man. Um, but I have nothing scripturally to base that on, just my own personal thought. But we are going to party with the best of them, with Jesus as the master of ceremonies, you know? And how awesome will that be? But here's the great thing. We don't have to wait till we get there to start the party. We are here today, and if we name the name of Christ, we live in his life. We experience his life. We experience his joy. We experience his peace in its fullness here, even now, even amongst all the junk we have to go through. But I don't know about you, when I was young in the Lord, it seemed like my faith could get shaken. Not that I would doubt God, but, you know, or walk away from him, but there's still this aspect within me that's like, God, are you really real? Was anybody else ever there? But you know what I found is the more I trusted in God with my life, and as each, each moment came up, and I didn't know what the outcomes were going to be, and I chose to put my full assurance in him, something interesting happened. He pulled me through each and every one. And I can stand here before you some 52 years later and tell you he never has failed. He has always come through. Not always the way I wish he would have. But I'll tell you right now, I can look back and say I'm sure glad he didn't move the way I wanted him to move because the way he moved was best for me. And it benefited me. And so... I choose to put my trust. And because I've trusted in him and continue to trust in him, interesting thing is you're not, you don't get shaken. But the thing is, is how are mountains developed? By a shaking. It's often said that mountains only exist because of earthquakes that have happened, the crust coming together, and mountains have been formed as a result. We can never get to a place where we can stand like Mount Zion if everything was always just easy for us. 
We've got to go through those hardships for him to begin to develop us into those mountains. But if we trust in him, we won't be shaken anymore. We'll be firm. We will be steadfast and totally immovable. Even to the point where hard things will happen to you as they have with us. And, um, you know, we had a situation where we had lost a child. It would have been our second child. Her name would have been Tiffany. Um, and she would have been born before Naomi, who is Naomi Grace, because her middle name is Grace, because she was conceived the month Tiffany would have been born. And so we praise God. God's a little wink at us, you know. But I remember when we went through that and how quickly God brought us through the mourning process, because even though we never saw her face, she was our child, you know, and we knew it, even though she was not born yet, because God knew her before he formed her, in her mother's womb, my Bible tells me. So even before the conception, God had a plan. But God brought us through that pain so quickly to the point that it caused people to look at it and say, wow, I wish I could be as strong as you. And I remember my response to this one lady who's like, I wish I had your kind of faith. I said, really, anymore, it doesn't have anything to do with faith. It's just common sense. Because when you've seen God move, in my life, as much as I've seen God move in my life, I'd be stupid not to trust him in this. And it's only because of that kind of trust that God could bring us through unscathed in, in about a week's time through the morning process. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved. So what does it take? How is it that we can get to that point? Well, we just hit the first one. It's we get our strength through simply trusting in him. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 says this, and you, you probably could even quote this yourself. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. How many know that's easier said than done, though? In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Trust in the Lord half-heartedly. Trust in the Lord when it feels good. Trust in the Lord when it makes sense. No. Trust in the Lord with everything you've got. From the very depths of the, 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 the very bowels of who you are as an individual. Every aspect of you your mind, your will, your emotions. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding because the minute you start leaning on your own understanding, you'll stop trusting. You can't do both. Trusting God, trust me, makes no sense. And it, it, as far as any rationality per se, you know what I'm talking about. Because the things that God tells you to do or the ways that God moves sometimes boggles our minds. In fact, I would say 99.9% .9 of the time will boggle your mind. And if you don't learn to set your own understanding aside and choose to say, no matter what I think, no matter what it looks like to me, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to lean on you. I'm going to rely on you because I know you know all the answers. You know tomorrow. I don't even know a minute from now. So I'm going to lean on your understanding, God, not mine. In a few of your ways, acknowledge him. All your ways. And then there comes a promise. He will direct your paths. 
It's a given. If you will do this, this is what he's going to do. And if he doesn't, then he would not be faithful, and we're worshiping a God that is not the God of the Bible. If my Bible says that he will direct my paths, he will direct my paths. If I choose to trust in him, not lean on my own understanding, and acknowledge him in everything. Isaiah 26.4 also says this, Trust in the Lord forever, for in Yah the Lord is everlasting strength. If you trust in him, you will have a strength that will never fail. It will never fade. It will be there for you every moment that you need him. But our strength doesn't just come from trusting. Our strength also comes through reliance. Not self-reliance, but reliance upon him. Isaiah chapter 50 verse 10 tells us this. Who among you fears or reverences the Lord? Who obeys the voice of his servant, that being Christ? Who walks in darkness and has no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord and rely upon his God. Well, what's the difference between trust and reliance? Here's where I believe the difference is. Trust is what you do with your heart. Trust is an attitude. Trust is a mindset. But reliance takes action. You will never be relying on God if you don't first trust in him. But you may trust in him, but never fully rely on him. Because reliance means I'm willing to step into the unknown. I'm willing to go into places where all of a sudden I know to left to my own devices, I'm, I'm sunk. But I'm going to rely fully wasn't a Christian song, but it's almost like I could be singing, lean on me <laughs> when you're not strong, right? That was way off key, but that's okay. Rely on him. Lean on him. And you'll find incredible strength that will go beyond anything that you could ever muster up on your own. Our strength also is going to come, if we're going to be able to stand like a mountain in the face of adversities that come, strength is only going to come through confident expectancy. There's a shorter word for this. It's called hope. Strength through hope. But I didn't use hope because a lot of times we think of hope as more like wishful thinking. And that's not what it is. Oh, I hope it don't rain later. Good luck with that one. But they are calling for it. But it's more than just wishful thinking. It is, as another pastor, Pastor Dave Grasswood coined, if you take it and take the H-O-P-E, it's, um, you know, uh, man, often I just drew a blank. Holding on to purposeful expectancy. But are you confident that God will come through? Are you able to look at any situation that comes and see it not as an obstacle, but for an opportunity for a miracle? Yeah, there you go. 
Because that's the confident expectancy. Do we find ourselves facing situations where all of a sudden we are just beyond ourselves, but yet we know that somehow God's going to come through? There's a man we've been praying for lately. His name's Jeremy. Not that guy that has stood behind this pulpit. Not that Jeremy. But Jeremy Hess, who, as you know, has a brain tumor. Doug Hess is the guy that preached here a couple few weeks ago. Just got diagnosed with that. Was told that it was going to be inoperable. And so it's basically radiation. It would be his only hope. But you know, even amidst that, he was like, you know, I'm just expecting God to do whatever God wants to do with this. And if it's healing, great. If it's not, he's got something else in store. But you know what? I'm willing to take hold of it. And he had a real confident expectancy. We prayed for him Wednesday night at cottage prayer meeting because of the news that he had just received that it would be inoperable just moments before prayer meeting. Let me say to you today that by the next morning I had received an email that the doctors had since come in and said, change of plans. We're going to operate. We think we can get this. And so, for how many know doctors don't change their plans like that? That quick. God moved. God did something because that night we prayed for God to heal. We also prayed that God would give wisdom where wisdom was needed beyond their years. And you know what? God answered that prayer. We can move expectantly. And sometimes God answers that way. Other times he doesn't. But I will tell you, Jeremy was on Facebook just the other day. Um, yesterday morning, I think it was. And he went on for 40 minutes. And I encourage you, look up the guy. His name's Jeremy Hess. He's in Indiana. You know, but if you can look him up and if you can access his video there, it's great to watch because that's all you hear from this guy. He takes about five minutes of his whole talking to talk about his circumstance. But the whole rest of it, all you hear is this confident expectancy of what God's going to do. And then it switches from that to what, does, what do you need God to do for you? And he begins to minister to those that are tuning in on Facebook. Not a woe is me. Not as, oh, I need your support to get through this. It's like, no, my God's got this. And I know he's got it. And whatever he chooses as a final outcome is a-okay. And then he focuses on the fact of, are you there? Can you say that for your own life? Because I'm concerned for you. And pray for your loved ones and all this that, that he went into. There's an incredible strength in the midst of his pain. And yes, when he first got the news, was it hard? You bet. And he, and he testifies to that. But it was so short-lived. Minutes. Only minutes before the confident expectancy kicked in. See, he wasn't shaken. The wind was blowing through the trees on the mountain. But the mountain wasn't shaken. He stayed true. Psalm 31, 23 and 24 says, Oh, love the Lord, all you his saints. For the Lord preserves the faithful and fully repays the proud person. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart, all you who hope in the Lord. But you got to be of good courage. 
you got to be willing to face it and trust that God's going to get you through. Old saying that says, God's not going to bring you to it if he's not going to take you through it. Our strength also in the Christian life comes through our security. What is our security? We find it here in 2 Samuel 22, verses 2 and 4. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. The God of my strength in whom I will trust my shield and the horn, anyone say trumpets, of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge. Do you think he feels a little safe? He's my rock. He's one on whom I'm built. Everything can kind of be like shifting sand around me, right? But on Christ the solid rock, I stand. Rock, a fortress, a deliverer, my strength, my shield, my horn, my stronghold, my refuge, and probably the best one of all, my Savior. You save me from violence. Now, notice he doesn't specify what kind of violence. It's the violence that comes against you. It's also the violence that we create in our own lives. How many know there's a lot of chaos that happens in our lives that really there's nobody at fault there but numero uno, right? You don't only save me from the violence out there. You save me from the violence I bring on myself. I will call upon the Lord not just because he's all these things, but because he's worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. When you know and you have your trust in the Lord and you begin to see him pour out his abundance and you see his protection and you find his provision, there's great security that comes in knowing that you're in the palm of the hand of the Most High God who created the universe. The only time we get shaken is when we begin to listen to the lies of the enemy that want to say that he's none of those things. Well, what about that time that you did this or that you went through that? Where was he then? Or am I the only one the enemy talks like that to? But you know what? When he wants to throw that at you, what you do is you throw back at him what the end result was. And the end result was he still brought you through. Life happens, but we are secure within him. Nothing can touch us when we choose to walk with him. Our strength also comes through righteous living. See, it's not, our strength isn't all just from what's out there, what God wants to bring, or just from trusting there. Our strength will also come as we choose to live rightly before God. And what does that mean? Living rightly with my relationship with God, but also in my relationships with others. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4 says this, His divine power, notice that word, power. So, if he's giving it through his power, does that mean you're going to be able to apply it? Is it going to see you through? Absolutely. His divine power is given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness 
through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. So what does that mean? Through his power, he has given you everything you need so that you can actually begin to put on the new man that we read about in our responsive reading. You'll be partakers of the divine nature. The very heart of God will begin to become your heart. You will not become God. Don't mishear me. But you will begin to get his heart, having escaped the corruption that's in this world through lust. You have the ability to live a righteous life only, at one t- only when you get this one thing down. Understanding that you don't have the power to live the righteous life. You'll only have the power to live the righteous life when you first come to realize you don't have the power to do it and therefore need it to come from somewhere else. And the only way you'll be able to live that righteous life is if the one who's giving you the power actually is all righteousness. Because only then will it not run out. And so we then begin to lean on and rely on and trust on in God for our righteousness. No one is holy, no, not one, except through Christ. We also get our strength through perseverance, keeping on, keeping on. Second Peter chapter 1, the next few verses, verses 5 through 8, but also for this very reason, giving some diligence, no, all diligence, add to your faith virtue. And add to virtue, knowledge. To knowledge, self-control. Yuck. How many like that word? But it's there. Add your knowledge, self-control. And to self-control, perseverance. How many know it's easy to have self-control until the attacks come? It's been an interesting couple of months as I've been trying to work on a little bit of a weight issue that I've had. I'm standing here before you today just to give glory and honor to God that I'm a quarter of the way to my goal. Amen. So, dropped about 34 pounds to date. So, but I'll tell you, it took self-control. But you know what I learned many years ago after having done this a hundred million times? Self-control ain't enough. Because you can have all the self-control you need at the very beginning, but man, that first night, the ice cream's calling your name. (laughs) And the chocolate syrup's in the fridge saying, me too, me too. You find out self-control is not enough. It takes perseverance. And then add to your perseverance, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, Love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Read the ending of that a little more positively. You'll be filled with life and full of fruit if you choose to persevere. Don't just get up the mustard to be able to. Start the race. Plan to finish. 
Don't give in when it starts getting hard. Because I'll tell you, it will get hard. Because when you name the name of Christ, as I heard a pastor say once, you get a big bullseye on your back. Because until you do that, the enemy doesn't have to mess with you. He's already got you. He doesn't have to start being concerned about you until you start naming the name of Christ. And then, heaven forbid, you start telling your friends about Christ. He doesn't like that. And he will rear up. Persevere. Stick through it. Keep pressing on so that you can say like Paul did, I've run the race and I've kept the faith. We also get our strength through providence. Job 10, verse 12 tells us this. Job goes on about, you know, the, the struggles that he's up against, but then he comes to this statement. You gave me life and show me kindness and in your providence have watched over my spirit. In your providence, bringing all your provision to the table, God. You've watched over me. You've, you've kept me. You've protected me, even amidst hard things that have happened. And the fact that I know you've been there before and I know that you're faithful, I can trust that you'll be there again when it comes. And then when all this happens, when we're living this way and we get these things in our minds and our hearts and, and we're acting these things out, you'll find that strength comes through the abiding peace that God brings. It'll, it's, it's what allows you then in the midst of all the stuff that's going on, people look at you and say, what's wrong with you? Because you are not like most people. We have some people that are in this church that have been accused of being too happy. You don't have a right to be happy. Look at what's going on in your life. But yet the peace, the scripture says that passes all understanding. In fact, it tells us there in Philippians 4, 6, and 8, don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, don't forget those two words. It's not just praying and petitioning, but praying and petitioning with thanksgiving. Thank you, God. I don't know why I've got to go through this, but thank you, because I know you've got a purpose somehow in all this, and I can at least give thanks in this, that I know that you're going through this with me, and I know you're going to bring me beyond. I'm still going to offer up my petition, but I'm going to do it with thanks. Presenting your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When will the peace of God that trans all, under, all understanding inhabit you? When you choose not to be anxious, understand the God you're putting trust in, and you express your request to him with a heart of thanks, an attitude of love. When we do that, we can have peace no matter what is happening around us. There can be peace in the midst of the storm. Amen? If we will do these things, you want to have the rock-solid life that you admire in Joe Schmo or Jane Joy, you know? You, you want to have that kind of experience that you've always looked up to in the other people? Understand, they're doing this stuff. That's why they're there. You want to get where they are? Do the same stuff. Rely on him. Trust in him. 
not lean on yourself. Be willing to persevere. Be willing to, to actually make a, take a stand. And God is going to strengthen you in ways that I can't even begin to express. And anyone that's walked with God for any length of time, we've all experienced that. Sometimes we lose sight of it. But if you're at that place where you kind of, you know, I'm not sure my faith is that strong. You know, I can pinpoint a number of people, whether it's Peter and Linda or uh, Lance and Dottie or John and Sonia or Sharon or Dottie in the back. Or I already mentioned Dottie. She's worth mentioning twice. <laughs> and my wife and Paul, you know. Um, if you're in a place where you feel shaken, talk to any one of these people. Just ask them, how do you get through it? And they'll be happy at, to share with you how they do it. They'll let you know it's never, it's not always easy. But they've been victorious. I because I know each and all every one of these ones I just named off have gone through some very, very difficult times where their faith was not shaken. So talk to them, build a relationship with them, and begin to catch what they got. Amen. Amen. Lord God, we thank you this morning for this time we've had. God, would you strengthen us in such a way? through these things that we've talked about this morning. So that, Lord, no matter what hardships come, no matter what life wants to throw at us, no matter how insurmountable the goals are ahead of us, Lord, we will be able to stand firm, knowing, God, that you also, like a mountain, as this passage said, stand firm around us, also immovable and unshakable as our fortress and as our shield and as our horn of salvation. So, Lord God, go with us as we leave this place. Strengthen us in your grace and in your mercy and in your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We want to thank you for tuning into today's broadcast. We pray that it was beneficial for you. Be sure to tune in tomorrow for another episode of Life on Main. You can learn more about our church by visiting our website at lifeonmain.org. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash lifeonmain where you can learn about upcoming events and find links to videos of these broadcasts and sermons. You can also view our sermons on our YouTube channel at bit.ly slash lifeonmain with each of those words capitalized. Thanks for listening to Life on Main and may God bless you.